the Guardian. Kids love YouTube. A 2018 study in the US by the Pew Research Center found that 81% of parents surveyed allowed their children to watch YouTube videos. But in the last few years, kids have also enjoyed creating their own content on the site. Hey Ryan! Hi! I want some, um, McDonald hamburger today! Okay, that'll be 185. Okay. The highest earning YouTuber in 2018 was a seven year old called Ryan. His channel of toy reviews earned $22 million last year. And when we last checked, he had more than 21 million subscribers. Today, we're going to play Bella Shop! There it is. So basically, we feed him some yummy. Ryan's channel is run by his parents because he's too young to have his own account. YouTube doesn't allow children under the age of 13 to create an account. Recently, Ryan's channel was hit with a complaint filed with the Federal Trade Commission by a group called Truth in Advertising, which said that his parents failed to disclose paid sponsorships, and that when they did disclose them, it was in ways that were impossible for very young children to understand. The family say they strictly follow all existing laws and regulations, including advertising disclosure requirements. This is just one of the controversies surrounding kids on YouTube. Google has agreed to pay a record fine and make changes to protect children's privacy on YouTube. This follows a settlement with the FTC and New York State. Regulators say that YouTube illegally collected data from children, used it for profit from targeted ads that violated the Children's Online Protection Privacy Act. YouTube, which is owned by parent company Google, faces constant criticism that it isn't doing enough to protect the children who use the platform to watch or to create. And yet, more and more children are dreaming of YouTube's success. And adults are now coming up with new ways to teach children how they might achieve this coveted YouTube stardom. Nowadays, they are allowing you into their life and into their house and into them as a person in a very different way. So potentially you could argue the problems later in life are going to be more acute because they put themselves out there rather than hid behind uh, a character. I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and this week Guardian video producer Richard Sprenger joins me in the studio to talk about the latest trend in extracurricular activities. Learning how to be a YouTube sensation. It really helps me show people my talent of showing toys. Is your ambition to be an influencer? Yeah. This is Chips With Everything. Richard and another colleague of ours, Alex Healy, set out to find kids looking for YouTube stardom. I've got children myself and I'm aware that I'm not as up to date with the various goings on as I perhaps could be or should be. My children are a bit younger and perhaps are not ready to go into the world of YouTube in quite the same way as some of the children I met. But because I'm old and, and slightly out of touch, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. And I find that interesting. And I want to be able to um, yeah, better understand things that are kind of perplexing to me, I suppose. Have any of your kids 
expressed an interest in becoming YouTubers. I've got a little brother who has. Really? Yeah. How old's your brother? Well, he's he's like 13, 14 now, but it was yeah. a few years ago he was very interested. I mean, I've tried quite hard to not put too much YouTube on. I think that Netflix and the BBC iPlayer are better things to show children. So I haven't really had that problem yet. There's this notion that people in my generation, so millennials, when we were kids, we were told that we could be anything, you know, like an architect or an author or an astronaut. Do kids these days all want to be YouTubers? Is that the new dream? Well, it sounds like um, a lot of them do, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing that kicked off this project was there was some research which was um, commissioned by Lego to find children's uh, feelings about space exploration. And one of their findings was that children were three times more likely to want to be a YouTuber than want to be uh, an astronaut, which is kind of interesting. But I wonder whether this sort of desire for notoriety and fame was always there, but that now we have a much more immediate or seemingly immediate way of getting it because everyone's got a video camera and anyone could, in theory, upload a video of them doing their thing to YouTube and maybe go viral. Mm. And maybe that was behind some of the people who were wanted to be astronauts decades ago when it was going on television and people were much more interested in it. Maybe they just wanted to go viral too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think there's something in human nature that people want to achieve something and mm. that can be in a variety of different ways. It's just that the YouTube generation perhaps see this as a much more easy and instantly achievable goal than all that training you'd have to do to go into space. <laughs> So tell us about some of these aspiring YouTubers then. So you started off in the UK. We did. We met uh, a young man called Bo, who's 10. Take a look at these. Brand new Ben 10 action figures out. Bo lives in England and stars in YouTube videos that are already making money. So we went down to Horsham to meet him and to kind of understand what it looks like. Once you've been doing it for a couple of years... Yeah. Like I've been doing, you kind of get the hang of it. Right, okay. Because at first, I was only five and yeah. did the volcano experiment that we did. Next, you need to take some bicarb of some soda. Bicarbonate of soda. Bicarbonate of no soda. It got some views and subscribers, didn't it? You know, we kept on going and then we got to this day. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's really good. All the videos that Bo makes he makes some money from and all the money does go into a sort of fund for him in the future his dad doesn't take any money off the top but the person I felt sorry for there was the dad Chris I listen to myself back I, I sometimes hate myself for being annoyed with him one of the sad things about what we were doing was it became less natural and more engineered as time went on because he was doing a lot of work mm. and really sort of um, struggling to herd cats when he has sort of three 10-year-old boys in the room and he's trying to kind of direct them and so on. And he was sort of getting nothing from it himself other than the pleasure in seeing his son's pleasure, I suppose. No, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because you often think with parents who have kids who are able to make money in some way, you know, acting, YouTube that you think it's very important that the parents don't touch the money at all and the money is just for the kids. But in this instance, the parent is working with the child. They're kind of colleagues. Mm, it's a bit, yeah. it's kind of grey there, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess they would call it a hobby mm. that earns money. And what about his initial motivations? Part of it is maybe me. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to love acting. I listened to the naysayers too much. It was just a dream that I'd left behind. Well, I put that to him and he denied it and then said, 
that he was just trying to give his son the opportunities that he didn't have. But that made it seem like he was, to some degree, living vicariously through his son. He definitely doesn't see it like that. But equally, he put his son on YouTube when he was five. And I don't think a five-year-old will really have the wherewithal to know quite what they want from it or even what it is at that stage. After talking to Bo and his dad, Richard jumped over to the west coast of America. This camp is a YouTube camp. The whole idea of it is have a lot of fun, give them some skills, but also kind of try and transition them from just consumers into people that are actually making it. What he learned on that trip, coming up after the break. Welcome back to Chips With Everything. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. This week, I'm chatting to Guardian video producer Richard Sprenger, who recently made a video about some of the ways that young children are learning the skills needed to become YouTube sensations. One way is to attend a summer camp in LA, which teaches six to 10-year-olds some of the tricks of the trade. Well, the camp's called Star Camps, and they do a lot of sort of performing arts type camps. But this one, uh, the tagline was become an internet sensation. And this camp's bound to go viral. And it just sounded like all the kind of worst things about YouTube writ large in a summer camp. They would argue that the way they're marketing it is to get children excited about the camp but that it was just sort of harmless upselling as opposed to anything sort of more sinister and sort of snake oil salesman-y. We're in this world where people are literally addicted to the like button. Mm -hmm. The genie's out of the bottle, as everybody knows. And how can we get involved in the conversation? And as a parent, I needed to look into this. So you spoke to Alex Rossi, the camp founder, who is a parent himself. And he says he doesn't condone kids having their own YouTube channel when they're very young. But as you pointed out, these are six to 10 year olds at this camp. So what exactly is he teaching them? They teach them all about various YouTube genres, I suppose, unboxing toys and video game analysis and all these sort of things. And what he argues is that they also get in all the safety issues and stuff like that, but they do it subtly. Nobody wants to take a course about internet responsibility, but they will take a course about unboxings and funny prank videos or we can weave that in under, underneath. So that the child doesn't think they're learning about boring stuff, which I totally understand and makes sense. I do wonder how much of that really goes in when you're spending all your time kind of unboxing uh, the latest toy and all the rest of it. I mean, that tends to be the focus. Mm. I mean, I think his main motivation was that he saw it happening around him and wanted to understand it better himself. But I don't know whether the curriculum that they offer is really sort of sharpened and pointed towards safety online, as, as he suggests it is. One thing that was interesting was there was a lot of talk around being yourself and expressing yourself online and being creative and all the rest of it. And yet they were all kind of doing the same thing. Mm. They were unboxing videos and telling us to smash that like button. And it was all a little bit sort of strange that, that everyone was saying the same thing but that there was such currency placed on being different. We need a zombie that's not a main person. I mean, I can help out if you need an extra zombie. I'm yes, happy to, we need to help. Yeah, that'd be cool. Okay. Oh, I'll go behind you. That's good. Now, if you don't mind me saying, you make an excellent zombie. Thank you very much. 
So when you were back to being yourself, you got to chat with some of the kids at the summer camp and some of them already had their own YouTube channels, right? Yes. Yeah, so one in particular, Oscar, who makes pillow forts, which is a thing that I'd never really considered where basically you just take your soft furnishings and build a structure. And he makes these kind of uh, rudimentary videos. He kind of edits them, puts dissolves in them. They're not particularly aesthetically kind of uh, interesting, but He's on YouTube, he's six years old, and his parents argue that it's a very important uh, life skill, as we've perhaps discussed. Pillow forts. Well, not pillow forts, the ability to tell stories online. It's like basic media literacy for his generation, like being able to make a video and tell your story or make a point and be able to edit it together to do that, that's like crucial. So Oscar's dad said that it is crucial for kids to learn these kinds of things, which seems like quite a strong word obviously people in my generation we didn't grow up learning these kinds of things is it just crucial right now in the moment or does it just seem that way because youtube's such a big thing right now or do you think it'll have a lasting impact well i suppose that people who buy into it and people who think well this is uh the world we live in and and this is happening whether we do anything about it or not are going to think that this is crucial i mean technology is not stopping and not slowing down and so for a child to get a head start in the world it could be one of a a, an arsenal of of things that uh, a child can employ to to get ahead i suppose but the next thing might be around the corner that isn't YouTube. And YouTube is, is by no means um, built to last and will certainly be here in 10 years time anyway, right? You think of MySpace. <laughs> um, that was massive once upon a time. I mean, I wonder whether YouTube has such a hold on the market and such a backlog of video in it that it is going to be around for a bit longer. But there's no guarantee. I mean, the next thing that comes up and TikTok is a big competitor now. And I think there was a a video conference in California over the summer where everyone was talking about TikTok, not YouTube. So the platform can vary and change, but the technology is is evolving fast enough that there will always be something of interest for children. So perhaps it will become more crucial. Using computers in general makes kids much more powerful than they were in our age. Like I couldn't really do anything when I was six. All I could do was ride my bike around the neighborhood, you know, and these days a kid could start a media empire or and has started done. and has done. The kids attending the camp are clearly enjoying themselves. The person running the camp says he wants to use it to teach children about online safety. And the parents Richard spoke to there do seem clued in to what their kids are posting. But not everyone agrees with these camps' existence. These kids got to make their mistakes in private with a teacher that helped them through it. And you're doing it by yourself in your basement on YouTube your mistakes are going to be ugly and everybody's going to see them and you're going to get ripped up about it. Yes, so we contacted Anne at Biz Parents because we wanted to have a more dissenting voice on something like this. I think that a lot of viewers would naturally be a little bit uh, sceptical about these things and we wanted someone who was uh, informed in the industry to be able to put the point of view across of YouTubers, perhaps not this completely wonderful and uh, uh, utopian thing. Well, YouTube is not something that we ever even advise. It's not safe. I think YouTube has drastically failed. They have serious problems and they are the ones controlling the game. They admit that they can't curate all the videos that are loaded. They can't keep up. They've created 
a complete business model, an algorithm that is not transparent. We don't know what they're doing, and it's hard for us to adapt to a business model that is constantly changing. I would say that Anne has her own horse in the race because she is an advocate for child actors and the, as she would call it, real entertainment industry. That said, you know, children today, for many of them, YouTube is the real entertainment industry. So there's definitely a generational thing there. But a lot of what Anne said around the YouTube algorithm and the fact that they can't keep up with the number of videos that are uploaded each day, that is part of the problem for sure. We spoke to Kate Icorn a few weeks ago about her book on kids growing up in the age of social media. And she made this really interesting point that kids who become famous on a social media platform like YouTube don't have the same rights as kids who are famous in what you might consider more traditional entertainment, so film and television. Did you learn any more about that? Oh, it's, I mean, (laughs) it's quite confusing, really, to be (laughs) honest. And particularly in California, where they're quite hot on laws around children in the entertainment industry Mm. as a direct result of a case many years back around the child actor Jackie Coogan, who was one of the first child stars and who became an adult and realised that he didn't have any money save for him and his parents had siphoned it all off and he had nothing. And so a law came into effect that protected children and their earnings in this industry. They've made laws now and updated these laws to include things like YouTubers and so on. But Anne would feel that the camp itself was problematic and there should be laws around that or tightened laws around that. We felt that the camp was operating legally But there is clearly a question mark around the way that you market a camp and the expectations of the children and the parents about what they might get from that camp. If there is any suggestion that they'll be making money at the end of it or there'll be some employment coming from it, then there's a problem. But if it's just an educational summer camp, they tread the line and they kind of get away with it. What about the other potential pitfalls of being a child star? So there's this stereotype that child actors kind of, you know, they end up suffering from burnout. Maybe they get involved with drugs and alcohol. Is there the same worry for child YouTubers from people like Anne? Definitely, yeah. I think that with child actors, plenty of them, of course, didn't go on to have troubles. And the ones that you hear about are the ones that did. So that possibly skews things. But certainly... Burnout is a huge thing um, across YouTube when you have to make at least two videos a week and you're plowing quite a lot of resources into generating those ideas and keeping going, keeping that that algorithm, feeding the algorithm and so on. And we don't quite know what the effect will be on these child stars of today. And we have to wait for a while to see how they feel about it as adults. But it's kind of inevitable that at some point some of these child stars are going to be like, hang on a minute. Mm. And that's a bit of a problem potentially. Another difference between the child stars of yesteryear and the child stars of today is that previously they've been playing a part, so they are acting, whereas nowadays they are allowing you into their life and into their house and into them as a person in a very different way. So potentially you could argue the problems later in life are going to be more acute because they put themselves out there rather than hid behind a a character. People ask me, you know, like, do I regret that song or regret that experience of that video? Like, no, because it is a part of my story and a part of who I am and I had to make it a positive. I wouldn't have been able to come here and do things like this and speak to kids three years ago because I'd be like, help. Hi, guys. One fascinating moment in the video is when the children at the YouTube summer camp met the pop singer Rebecca Black, who rocketed to fame at the age of 13 with her single, 
Friday. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. YouTube made her famous pretty much overnight, but she also suffered a lot at the hands of trolls, who criticised her relentlessly. Despite this, Rebecca continues to showcase her music on the platform, and she wants to give some tips to these children who share her desire to create. Because you have so much more opportunity to be accepted. And for me, I felt so alone. And YouTube was such a huge safety net for me. If the right people are guiding them and helping them through it, it it's a great place for creativity and for self-expression. She is a cautionary tale. I think she would be the first to admit that things did not go very well for her when she initially went viral and she had a lot of troubles sort of through her teenage years, which are tricky at the best of times, of course, anyway. But she was still positive about YouTube and being on the platform and being able to express herself creatively. Is there a sense, do you think, that maybe someone like Rebecca, who became so famous through YouTube, feels a need to defend the platform and the desire for people to be on it? I guess so. I mean, she's still on it and she's still um, got a big following there and she doesn't have a record deal. So that is the medium through which she is able to connect with her fans. So she's always going to be a, a little bit more positive. But I think there was some truth in her comment that I had to turn it into a positive. And she is I think undoubtedly done so. She was born on YouTube and she will live on YouTube. How do you stay popular once people start losing interest and start going away? Producer Danielle was pretty heartbroken by a particular question that one of the camp students asked Rebecca Black. So he wonders how to stay popular when all of the followers, quote, go away. Are these kids being taught about the risk that they might put themselves out there like this and, and never go viral and never become popular? We did not witness that ourselves. That is not to say that they didn't learn about it. But it was really interesting that he came out with that question, I thought, because it wasn't the sort of question you expect a eight or nine year old, I think he was, to come out with. And the fact that he was acutely aware that that was a possibility was telling. But equally, most children, of course, won't have a following in the first place. Mm. Do you think it's just tied with, you know, kids have always worried about being popular, you know, just maybe just at school, like, mm. will they be popular in their class? And now that YouTube is a thing and so many kids are on YouTube, is that a new thing that kids have to worry about? Will I be popular on YouTube? Yes. And I, in some cases, I suppose it's supplanting the popularity in real life because real life is seems to be getting more and more distant <laughs> but yeah and and of course the stakes are much higher online than they are in your everyday life because the potential is global as opposed to just your class of 30 odd people or whatever it is Alex Rossi, who runs the camp, says the purpose of the camp is not to set up these kids to strive and fail to become YouTube stars, but rather to teach them about the potential pitfalls and to better protect themselves. But Richard thinks kids might not need a camp like this to learn those particular lessons. I kind of hope that children nowadays who are growing up in, in this digital world will it inevitably be more responsible digital citizens than their parents. I think a lot of things that have happened on social media to the adults' generation have sort of crept up on us a little bit. We weren't initially aware when we signed up for Facebook that this was going to be this huge privacy issue and people just sort of slept walked into it a little bit and I don't think that's the case nowadays with or without a YouTube summer camp.
So if your kids develop an interest in becoming YouTubers, will you send them off to YouTube summer camp? I, oh goodness, I don't know. I mean, from having children, I know that when they really want something, it's very difficult to stop them. And so you hope that by sending them to a camp like this, they might learn about it in the right way and all the rest of it. I would really try hard not to send them to that. I think that there are better ways of expressing yourself and of being creative and doing interesting things where the stakes are not as high and you're not a slave to this out of control sort of video platform, which I think many people would argue it is. So I would try not to. <laughs> but I'm equally, you know, I try not to let them eat sugar and that doesn't work. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Make sure to check out Richard Sprenger's video about his trip to the YouTube summer camp on the Guardian website. Just look for YouTube Kids, how unboxing, gaming and toy reviews took over. As always, do send us your thoughts and potential episode ideas to chipspodcast at theguardian.com. Chips is produced by Danielle Stevens. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Thanks for listening. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.